People always do that. Did you hear that? Britney Spears. Oh my God. No, it's not Britney. But I mean, it, it, it does beg the question, what has gone wrong with young Hollywood? Honest to God, what is the problem? Juicy sweatsuits, doing lines in the restroom. All y'all dressed to impress who? 20-something trusted. Hello and welcome to season three of Lay Do You Remember This, a podcast where we look back on all the stories from Hollywood's best worst decade, the early 2000s. A time in history when America found out that with a trust fund, a sex tape, and a dream, you too could become a star. As always, I'm your host, Dara Lane. Last time on Ashley. In part one of Ashley, A League of Her Own, we discussed her early life, and I spent a lot of time comparing her and Jessica to Dottie and Kit from A League of Their Own, a movie I'm just blanketly assuming everyone has seen. Listen. I've seen the numbers, and my core demo for this podcast are women between the ages of 24 and 35, and if you're in that group, your favorite childhood movies are Titanic and Spice World. But there's a good chance that A League of Their Own is in your top 10. Anyway, let's pick up where we left off, at around the midway point of season one of The Ashley Simpson Show. In episode 6, Ashley is about to sing in her first live show ever. I don't remember this from when I watched the show the first time it aired, but this is wild to me. It makes me wonder if Ashley really had long-time aspirations to become a singer, or if this was something she decided she'd try on because Jessica was doing it. Either way, I cannot believe that her father and manager, Joe Simpson let this happen. Performing on stage with a live band isn't completely intuitive. For one, you have your ears in, which are the little earplug things that you see singers wearing when they perform. The music is fed into these things, and from what I've heard, they take some getting used to. I don't understand why Joe wasn't making Ashley do smaller, maybe acoustic performances once he decided that his second daughter was going to become a part of the Simpson dynasty. Before she ever started recording her album, she should have been at Hotel Cafe or some shit, croaking her way through Stevie Nicks or slowed down Joan Jett arrangements. The fact that there's no bootleg, grainy video of Ashley singing Landslide in a Hollywood bar is a crime. In fact, this crime is especially heinous, and we've all been made special victims. Joe should get 20 to life for this infraction. I am a no-nonsense judge, and this is my courtroom, so take him away, bailiff. Listen, 
I get that maybe he wanted to have some big reveal of Ashley and her music, but letting her get on stage cold like that didn't do her any favors in the long run. Leading up to the show, we see Ashley getting her glam done by Ken Paves, Jessica's hairstylist at the time. Her mother is there, and for some reason, despite having lived in LA for years at this point, they both decide to leave to go to her sound check in the middle of rush hour traffic. So we're just like trying so hard to get there and then we get on the wrong street. It's fine. You have plenty of time. You'll be fine. We got so lost before I got to sound check. I mean, we were like up in the hills and we went the wrong way. Uh oh, cul de sac! <laughs> wrong way! And we were like doing all these turns. We were like, oh my gosh, just get us to the bottom of the hill. Oh, Ashley, this is fun. Going to your first show, we get lost. <laughs> then I was running really late and it was like five o'clock and the traffic was bad. I'm sure your dad is wondering where the hell we are. I'm calling him right now. Joe, what's the street I turn on off of Hollywood? He's screaming about something about the sound check. I gotta get to my sound check. I gotta get there. It's my first sound check. I gotta be there. Doors open at 7.30. Okay, Ashley, what do you want me to do? Run over people? I'm doing the best I can. Not my fault. I'm so nervous. <laughs> Stop freaking yourself out. I wish I was there for my sound check. Really you want to get out and walk? Then yeah. walk. It's two blocks up. Ashley, don't do this to me. What do you want me to do? Do <laughs> you think it's my fault? No, not at all. <laughs> at all. But I'm just saying it sucks because, like, I really wanted to be there for the sound check. Yeah? Well, you may miss it. I, I can't. That's horrible. I can't miss it. I, I've never done a show. I can't miss a sound check. I've never had a sound check. I've never had it in ear in my ear. I can't think of anything more important than making it to your sound check on time when you have never sung on stage your entire life. Finally, she gets there and she is rightfully nervous, and we see even more of how dire it is that she's so inexperienced. I'd never worked with in ears, I'd never, you know, had a band, I'd never done anything like that. I was under a little bit of stress. I can't hear myself. Is that bad? At that point, I didn't know what I was doing. I couldn't hear anything. It was awful. I don't know. It was kind of a bad feeling. It's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. you got to get it set right. You've already sung the song. It's not like you can't. You just have to do it. You have to gut it up and go. My, the sound is not good. It's, yeah. it's rich when it's up, but when you pull away, you, you're, you're it's, singing with it's your mic thin. You gotta pull it up here. Almost like eat it. Anytime you pull confidence away, that's when you sing. So if you're on with confidence, the rest is gonna go. That sound check was not very good. In all honesty, I was extremely scared. But despite everything stacked against her, the performance isn't half bad, I think. When they show the performance, I'm pretty sure they don't use her live vocals and instead seem to play just the recorded tracks from her album. Now, despite being the honorable Darlene, I will not pass judgment as to whether this is because she sounded bad. If they didn't use her live vocals, it very well could have been because the sound in the venue just wasn't good enough. However, 
Ashley herself is not confident about her performance at all. She needs constant reassurance from people that she did a good job, and this is a common issue that carries throughout the series. It's really cool. Hey, you! You're a star! I've been flat so many times. Oh, baby, you're a star. You tore it up. Ears popped out of my ear. One, you won. Come on, man. <laughs> That's known as winning. I messed up when to start a lot. I couldn't hear it. I was like, doesn't matter. Who cares? It worked. This crowd loved you. This is the first time you've ever been on stage. First time you've ever sung on any stage life. in your entire life, and you tore it up. What do you want? There is nobody in this room tonight that doesn't know you're for real. Ashley does deserve a lot of credit for her stage presence during the concert. I think she can credit a lot of that to her dance background, because though she's not really dancing, you can see how connected she is to her body. After the show, she's visited by Nick Lachey and Jessica, who came directly from getting LASIK eye surgery and looks like an escaped member of the Three Blind Mice. She looks ridiculous in her goggles, and it's the kind of comedic move that makes her a contender for our generation's Lucille Ball. Sorry, Deborah Messing, you're gonna have to start bringing more to the table. She's right here. Oh my god! I was crying the whole time, and I'm like, oh my god, is that bad? Should I not be crying? Ashley, you just like performed your ass off. It was so cute. You had so much personality and wiggle. Her compliments were amazing, and I just felt really good. I felt like I had achieved something, and I was proud of myself. And her boyfriend, fellow musician, Ryan Cabrera, has this to say. You know I retired as a musician? Why? Because of you. I made me mad. You made me mad, no. You made me rethink myself as an artist. Throughout the two seasons, Ryan exhibits some other slightly odd or jealous behavior that doesn't feel very boyfriend-like. But we can probably assume that this wasn't much of a real relationship anyway. Joe is also Ryan's manager, and the whole thing feels very orchestrated. In the first episode of the show, Ashley is dating some nobody, and by the end of the episode, they're over. Then, a few episodes later, Ashley is magically playing Ryan's love interest in his video On The Way Down. Sick and tired of this world, there's no more tripping over myself. And despite having known each other for years, they both realize at the exact same time that they've had feelings for each other all along. Also, they break up after season one, but they're back together by the time they start filming season two. We might as well call Joe Leonard Bernstein because this shit seems orchestrated. Joe was the Kris Jenner before Kris was Kris, and for a while, he was looking like an all-time dadager. By the final episode of season one, Ashley's first album has been released, and it quickly went platinum. 
Ashley fans began lining up at 10 p.m. Monday night. When I arrived at Tower at 9 a.m., over 275 fans were lined up and ready to purchase the Ashley Simpson CD. The store had sold 337 CDs in one hour. All my friends have been calling me all day, congratulating me and stuff, so um, it's here. It's happened. The record's done and out. <laughs> Target today just said they are going to sell today, one day, what they thought they were going to sell for the whole week. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Incredible. The record is actually selling out in stores. I'm completely blown away, and I cannot thank my fans enough. Ashley's album sold just under 400,000 copies, while none of Jessica's albums ever came close to selling that much in its first week. In This Skin, Jessica's third album that came out in 2003 only hit 64,000 that first week. Much of Autobiography's success can probably be attributed in part to Joe's hustle. Between Ashley on 7th Heaven, then the success of Newlyweds, on top of the Ashley Simpson show depicting the process of her making the album in almost real time, by the album's release, the public was ready for Ashley to be a star. Until they weren't. Season 2 of The Ashley Simpson Show is tough to watch from episode 1. We open on Ashley getting ready to be a musical guest on Saturday Night Live. Of course, we as an audience already know what happens on SNL. For her first performance, Ashley sings Pieces of Me without incident. Then for her second song, at the end of the show, she's supposed to sing what will be her next single, Autobiography. And things don't go as planned. As the tale goes, Ashley, with her vocal cords singed by acid reflux, can't sing well enough to do the songs live, so she and her team decide to use a backtrack. Her drummer is in charge of playing the backtrack. Instead of hearing autobiography, the audience hears pieces of me begin to play again. There's a few bars of the intro. Everyone, including Ashley, freezes. Then, Ashley's vocals kick in, and it becomes clear that not only are we hearing the same song twice, but that Ashley has been lip-syncing. Again. Everyone freezes, until Ashley calls upon her extensive dance training and does a little jig. It is hard to watch. What's almost as hard to watch is that two-part premiere episode where we follow Ashley in the days and moments leading up to the event. It's so weird watching everything that happens when the audience knows the outcome and this version of Ashley does not. It's like watching someone knowing they're about to go to the gallows, but they don't. It's like early 2000s of Mice and Men, and Ashley is Lenny, and Star Magazine is about to blow her brains out. Everything Ashley says and does holds a completely different weight than if the SNL performance went off without incident. Here's one example of Ashley talking about singing autobiography. Do they ever find out, like, what songs I'm doing? Yeah. Auto and Pieces. Auto and Pieces. I got auto. Like, good. I'm glad. I really wanted to do auto. Oh, you're good at it. Then there's this conversation she has with her friends in the back of a car. You guys, I am truly fascinated by the concept of Saturday Night Live. Like, it's a show 
It is so famous. It's like such a landmark in people's careers. No, I just, I think the whole concept is really cool. What a fun show to be on. Yeah. Like, that is a dream job, to be doing skits on Saturday Night Live. Totally. When I'm 40, that is what I want to be doing. That's entertainment But the thing about it is, is... You know, you never know when, like, your time is, like, all yeah. over, like, whenever, you know what I mean? With a job, like, a normal job, you have it forever, you know, as yeah. long as you want it. The first part seems maybe a little like it's set up so the audience knows what a big deal this SNL performance is. But the second part feels very ominous. Then we watch Ashley do her SNL rehearsal the night before. Everything goes smoothly. She sounds good. That sounded? Yeah, sounded awesome. I warmed up, went out there, rehearsed my two songs, and I thought it went great. I felt really happy about it. I felt like my voice was on. I was like, yes, like that went really good. It's going to be a good thing. It's crazy hearing her just 24 hours before the performance sounding normal without any worry that her voice might not hold up. And although she maintains she simply woke up with acid reflux, or acid reflex, which is what she calls it several times throughout the entire run of the show, me thinks that her vocal issues can't fully be attributed to that. As we see on the show, after her rehearsal on Friday night, Ashley and her entourage go to Tao for dinner. Like, what the Fifi Dobson are they thinking? If you're not familiar with Tao, it's basically a club that also happens to serve sushi. You go there for a birthday party or when a bunch of dumb, aged frat bros want to buy you and your friends a table for a few grand. Not to eat dinner the night before you have to sing. Listen to this clip and notice how loud they're talking over the music. I'd like to make a toast on my water to Ashley being on Saturday Night Live. No singer should be shouting like that the night before a huge performance, especially not one like Ashley, who has issues with losing her voice. Also, she probably stayed out late. She probably had alcohol. Alcohol being acidic and not good for someone with acid reflux. Meanwhile, in episode 6 of the first season, we see her ears, nose, and throat doctor telling her what she needs to do to keep her acid reflux at bay. I'm going to the voice doctor today for my checkup to make sure my voice is doing better. Hey, Dad, it's me. Um, I'm on my way. It's been a week since I last went, so I really do hope that everything is okay with my voice. At Taco Bell really late last night. Taco Bell is definitely not recommended by the doctor. I have a show in, like, two days. Hopefully it is okay because I have to perform and I don't want to ruin my voice. Hopefully I don't get any bad news. Hi there, how are you? Hi, doctor, how are you? Ashley, what the big question is, how is your voice? It's feeling better. Your vocal cords looked really angry when I saw them. Yeah. They were swollen, they've been chronically burnt. Usually in somebody your age, this acid reflux isn't a problem. Right. But for you it is. Dr. Sugarman gave me this like certain diet of like way that I basically had to change my life because of the acid reflux. 
when we look at a normal nose. Then the next morning, Ashley and her friends get up looking a little worse for the wear. Ashley instantly is having issues with her voice, but doesn't really take any steps to fix it. As she says in the episode, she quote, didn't think it was a big deal. So she and her friends go on business as usual and they order room service. They get a huge breakfast and Ashley is seen going absolutely ham on it. Like literally, she eats so much bacon and eating a lot of anything will hurt your acid reflux because your tum-tum is working overtime to digest. She's also drinking juice, acidic. Instead of an herbal tea or hot lemon water, she's drinking hot cocoa. That's acidic. She's eating pineapple. Acidic. Her and her friends are chatting away instead of letting her rest. At this point, Ashley doesn't do a thing to salvage her voice. It's tough to watch because you want to just shake her and put her in a steamy bathroom and tell her to shut up until 11.30 p.m. But the train keeps careening towards the station. Then finally, it happens. So we called a doctor onto the set for Saturday Night Live. I was talking to him and he told me that I was going to ruin my vocal cords if I tried to sing on them as swollen as they were. Everybody's conclusion was that I sang to a backing track. On a Monday. And the vocal track comes up for pieces of me. But we had already played pieces of me. I didn't know what to do. Like, inside, I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is live. I was humiliated and so embarrassed and I couldn't believe that this was actually happening. There's definitely people freaking out, Saturday Night Live people, just, you know, people in the room. Just everybody didn't really know what to do, and you know that everybody's freaked out. When Ashley woke up Sunday morning, all hell had broken loose. I woke up the next day not knowing that Saturday Night Live was going to be as big of a deal as it was. I I woke up knowing that it was going to be a big deal, but not that it was going to be on repeat on every news station over and over again. (laughs) I've worked so hard for what I have. And because of one silly moment, it might be over. And that's scary. And her career was nearly over because of the incident. She was able to move forward, but now people were looking for reasons to hate her. Had this not happened, who knows where she'd be at this point. Instead, the incident has followed her in some capacity ever since. Here's her being asked about it on Watch What Happens Live. Ashley, Jeannie W. wants to know, who do you think was responsible for the SNL technical malfunction? Oh, me, me completely. Um, What happened there was I had a vocal problem. I had two nodes beating against each other, and I woke up and I had no voice. And and then I should have said, no, I will not go on. I will not do this. And despite me just laying out everything that happened the day before and the day of the performance, I think Ashley only carries a small bit of blame for this. She's not a trained singer. That is very clear. Unlike Jessica, she wasn't performing live her whole life in some capacity. Ashley never even did musical theater or anything like that. And now, to circle this back to me, I did musical theater growing up. I took voice lessons for many years. 
That's where you learn how to take care of your voice. That's where you learn how to sing correctly so you don't get nodes. Sure, she definitely should have done a better job listening to her doctor's recommendations for avoiding acid reflux. And yeah, it seems like common sense that you shouldn't be talking loud at a club because you might blow out your voice. But she's 20 with really no experience in this at all, so I don't think she fully realized the damage she was doing. I give Ashley 30% of the blame. Then there's the drummer. Now, I know a lot of people think that when it first happened, Ashley and Joe were trying to blame this guy and that it wasn't fair, but I think he does deserve to have a lot of this on his shoulders. Her bandmates had way more live performance experience than she did. He was in charge of changing the track. After he presses play, he should have realized after a couple beats that it was the wrong song. Had he turned it off and switched songs before her voice cut in, the situation would have been weird, people would ask what happened, and they would maybe suspect that she was attempting to lip sync, but no one would be able to say for sure. Instead, he just lets it ride. I give him 35% of the blame. I also give Joe Simpson 35% of the blame. They get equal blame here because the drummer was directly responsible in the moment, but I give Joe the indirect blame for just thinking about Ashley as the paycheck and the machine and not Ashley the person or the musician. Had she been more experienced of a singer, I don't think she would have been so careless with her voice. And if she had more onstage experience, I think she would have been able to do a better job salvaging the moment instead of making it even worse for herself by doing a goddamn jig. Am I an Ashley Simpson apologist? Sure. But I'm allowed because none of my heroes are rapists. As of the publishing of this podcast. Hopefully we don't learn something very untoward about Carol Burnett in the next week because I'll have to eat my chapeau. But I think I'm allowed to give Ashley a pass, especially because honestly, even if I thought it was 100% her fault, I really don't think it should have been a big deal regardless. People lip sync all the time. They especially lip sync during live televised performances because the sound can be unreliable. In the second part of the two-part episode, Ashley is experiencing the fallout of the incident and fellow singer Gretchen Wilson offers her support. I have to come over and say hey Thank to you. you so much. Nice to meet you. This is Ronnie. Hi. I had never met Gretchen Wilson before. I love her music. I think she's extremely talented. She came in just to say, screw them all. Some people really are, are, you know, they they sit at home and think that that everything is live. I know. People just don't, uh... Mine definitely is gonna be, though. Ashley Simpson, live. Good luck with everything, and I hope hope, uh, all your dreams come true. I appreciate it. Same here. You're so sweet. It's nice to meet you. After the incident, Ashley tries to do damage control while still going on with all her scheduled performances. Her next live performance being the Orange Bowl, which goes tragically. Ashley is determined to sing live in this huge stadium and a lot can go wrong in a place like that. The performance is a a disaster. She sounds awful and the whole crowd boos the entire time. It's devastating. Devastating. How are early 2000s starlets haven't all just held hands and walked off a cliff in Malibu or Monterey like some dismal big little lies slash girl interrupted mashup 
is beyond me. However, interestingly enough, in the episode's version of the performance, you don't hear any boos and there's no mention of boos. I think this is an example of Joe Simpson not being as savvy as he thinks he is. He obviously thought the right move here was to pretend like none of this was a big deal. They don't let you see that this whole thing was probably heartbreaking for Ashley. If we were allowed to see that side of things, it would have made for better TV, and I think it would have made people feel a lot more sympathetic towards her. Instead, the narrative was that this girl who can't sing, who's only famous because of her sister, is a liar and a faker, and she doesn't even care that much about it. Ashley finished out the rest of the season of her show, and it's not renewed for a third season. The next year, in 2005, she releases another album called I Am Me. She's back to her blonde hair. She's stripped down. It's not as good as Autobiography because Autobiography is a -a once-in-a-lifetime classic, but it's still great. The opening track is Boyfriend, a song she wrote for Lindsay Lohan about how she didn't steal Wilmer Valderrama from her because she dated him first. Ladies, ladies, I'd rather you jump off a clip it. I'd rather you jump off a cliff in Monterey than fight over Wilmer Valderrama. No, wait, sorry. Flip it and reverse it. I'd rather you throw Wilmer Valderrama off a cliff than fight over him. The other single on the album is L-O-V-E. It's a great album, but it doesn't debut to the same fanfare as her first album. She also does another SNL performance that nobody ever talks about. I couldn't even find it on YouTube. At this point, though, Ashley's career isn't over. She is considered a complete joke and fraud by many, but she still has an audience. So much so that she still has the cachet to shoot a cover story for Marie Claire magazine that's to be published in 2006. Her story is all about self-love and not changing for other people. And it doesn't just passively mention that stuff, it lays it on a thick. And just in time for the magazine to hit newsstands, Ashley starts traipsing about with a completely new nose. First, she plays it off coy and doesn't admit to anything outright, but it's obvious. Again, people go ballistic, as if every famous person you've ever seen in your life hasn't gotten a nose job. Listen, people, noses are tricky business. It's hard to get one of those right. Remember, no one is ugly just poor. Plastic surgery is a person's own damn business. And how can you blame her anyway? She was scrutinized over everything in the public eye, including her looks. Things only get worse from there. With the SNL incident, Ashley kept a lot of her fans, but I think a lot of young women felt betrayed by her preaching self-acceptance while she didn't take her own advice and instead used her money to fix what she didn't like about her face something that most people reading that magazine didn't have the means to do for themselves. Meanwhile, things weren't any better for Jessica. The Simpson empire was quickly... nose... diving. In 2005, Jessica and Nick Lachey announced their separation. After the divorce is finalized, Jessica starts dating Dallas Cowboys quarterback Tony Romo. Tony starts playing poorly and Cowboys fans, of course, blame Jessica, calling her Yoko Romo. Her acting and singing career decline until suddenly she's predominantly known for her shoe and clothing line. Which, I mean, don't cry for her, Argentina. 
Hawking her wares at Macy's has made Jessica a very rich woman. Pretty soon, Ashley meets Pete Wentz, a member of the band Fallout Boy. She's 21, and by the time they end up engaged in 2008, she is 23 and he is 28. That year, Ashley releases her final album, Bittersweet World. Another fun one, but it doesn't come close to selling what Autobiography did, clocking in at 47,000 sales its first week. Ashley is set to go on tour with the album, but cancels all 12 dates after announcing she's pregnant. Then from there, she all but fades into relative obscurity for years. She had some tabloid moments, like when in 2009, she drunkenly freaked out at Michelle Trachtenberg, who once dated Pete, saying to her, quote, I hope you know, the whole time you were dating Pete, I was fucking him. The best part about this is that Ashley's reps didn't dispute this at all and just said it was a misunderstanding. The two had a child together, Bronx Mowgli, which feels like a name you shouldn't give your child if both his parents are white. Like... It's not completely egregious, but it's not great. Then in 2011, they split up. Once the tabloids forgot about that gossip, Ashley really went back into the shadows. Since then, the perhaps wildest thing possible happened when she somehow made her way into the Diana Ross family by marrying her son, Evan. God, Joe probably hasn't been so proud of her since Autobiography came out. Evan and Ashley have a child together, a daughter, Jagger Snow Ross, and she apparently has a very nice co-parenting relationship with Pete. In 2018, Evan and Ashley had one season of their own reality show together and started making some music, including the song, I Do. Totally cute. I hope they are having a very nice life together, doing the backstroke and a pool of that Diana Ross trust fund money like they're two little Scrooge McDucks in love. She deserves it after all she's been through. But like, yeah, it's cute, right? It's it's a cute song. But these two musicians have a very different sensibility. I need Ashley peak Ashley. And apparently her and Evan have said that for now, they're both focusing on their own solo music, which I find very promising. I hope if she does make more music, she gives us full autobiography. I want bangers. No more sleepy pop music girls. I would love to see Ashley usher us into a renaissance of bop pop. I want to see her step back out of the shadows on her own two feet. I believe in our punk rock prom queen and think if she gets one more crack at it, she'll win the World Series. And this time, she won't need her sister Jessica's coattails to do it. And that, my friends, is a League of Their Own reference.
Lately, Do You Remember This is researched, written, narrated, and edited by me, Dara Lane. If you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave a rating and review. You can follow updates on the pod on Instagram and Facebook. We also have a private Facebook group you can join and some early 2000s Spotify playlists I've put together. You can find those links on the show's Instagram. And please, if you like the podcast, share it. Tell your friends. It's true what they say. It takes a village to make me famous. If you have any questions, comments, or show suggestions, please email this at gmail.com. So, you're invited to come back next week. We've got a table, and I've put you on the list for Lay Do You. Remember this. Woo! I'm too sweet. We're all